Welcome to Learning Bible Truth. Thank God for another season. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Here to take you on a tour of the Bible by reading entire books in the Bible. Not just one scripture, full chapters. And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to his son, Jesus the Christ. Saints, I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. This is Learning Bible Truth. Today is November the 7th, a Sunday, a blessed Sunday, beautiful weather in Louisiana. I hope this day finds you and your family well. I hope uh, the weather finds you well. Uh, to God be the glory in any event, to God be the glory. If it was storming, raining, I would still say to God be all the glory. That's just how good he is. Hallelujah. Now, today we have reached episode 15. We are searching the scriptures, finding Jesus in the Old Testament, which is also known as the Hebrew scriptures. Hallelujah. Our foundational scriptures, for those of you who are listening for the first time, uh, they are found in John chapter 5, verses 39 and 40, where Jesus was talking to some unbelieving Pharisees and Sadducees. They were criticizing him for healing someone on the Sabbath day. And Jesus was trying to explain to them, he is the Sabbath day. You know, he can do what he want on the Sabbath day and so can we. Uh, he basically said, you need to search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal light, but it is they, they who the scriptures, which testify of me. And he was talking about the Old Testament scriptures because the New Testament had not yet been written. I think they were written uh, years after Jesus made that statement. So we are finding Jesus, our Messiah, our Lord and Savior in Psalms. Uh, this particular episode, episode 15, is going to be a little unique, a little strange. I'm quite sure uh, you will be hearing some things about these scriptures that the psalmist wrote that you hadn't heard before. But I tell you, what we are doing is finding Jesus in the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures. So with that said, I'll basically um, continue to use the NIV. I may switch and and uh, quote some scriptures from the New King James Version. And for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, I typically teach from the NIV. And the reason I, I share that is because you may have a version uh, that has some differences in wording. So 
if we have a difference in wording, that's the reason because I use, I'm using the NIV. You may have the ESV, the King James, the New King James, or uh, another version. But in the end, we will end up in the same place. Amen. So with that said, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 72. Psalm 72. And I will be reading through verses 11 through 17. Uh, you have the ability to pause the tape, but for the sake of time, I will commence to reading beginning at verse 11. All kings will bow down to him and all nations will serve him. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no one to help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence for precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live, may gold from Sheba be given him. May people ever pray for him and bless him all day long. Let grain abound throughout the land on the tops of the hills, may it sway. Let its fruit flourish like Lebanon. Let it thrive like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. All nations, underline that word all. All nations will be blessed through him and they will call him blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank God for his word, his holy word. Now, to your surprise, the author of this psalm is Solomon, King David's son. Now, much of the psalm reflects his reign in Israel, the wisdom he displayed in his just leadership of the people, and of the admiration and generous gifts of the nations. But the language here goes far beyond a, a simple mortal king and kingdom. Now, although Solomon did rule in justice for many years, this psalm clearly refers to the Messiah to come, talking about Jesus. Now, all of the verbs Solomon used in this psalm are in the future tense. He points us ahead to the king who is to come. Now Solomon, of course, himself is a type of Christ. He performed Christly, uh, or let's say Christ-like kingly role as the ordained leader of the temporal nation Israel. Now Jesus, however, is the ultimate king who will rule eternally over all the nations of the world. Now Solomon ruled in wisdom. Jesus is the wisdom from which Solomon was given his. And you can find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. Now for those of you who follow me on a regular basis, you already know this, but for the new listeners, I will call out some scriptures and you can write it, write them down and study them later because if I quoted every scripture that I studied, for uh, this episode, we would be here four or five hours. So it's some scriptures I will quote and I will call out some scriptures so that you can study them later. 
Now, the splendor of Solomon's reign was, it was magnificent. Now, this splendor will pale into insignificance when it compares to Jesus Christ's manifested glory. Now, Solomon received gifts from the nations, but Jesus bestows gifts upon all nations of the world and will ultimately receive their service and worship. Now, I want you to notice in verses four and nine in your Bible that this, this king of which Solomon speaks will crush the oppressor and his enemies will lick the dust. Now, this is a clear reference to the verses we discussed in chapter 3, uh, Genesis, verses 14 and 15, where Adam and Eve receive what is called the proto-evangel, which is also known as evangelism, the first glimpse of the gospel. Oh, yes, the first glimpse of the gospel was mentioned by God himself in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. And I will read it so you can understand what I'm talking about. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Now, I want you to notice in verse 11 that worship and service by all the world's leaders will mock the eternal reign of the king of kings. All kings will bow down to him, and all nations will serve him. The coming king will also deliver from death those who cry out to him. He will save the needy from death. That's in verse 13. Later, the apostle Peter would say to Jesus, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Only Jesus can save you from death. Only Jesus. Jesus said of himself in Luke 19, 10, for the son of man come to seek and to save that which is lost. Hallelujah. Praise God for that word. Now, the king to whom the psalm points will live eternally. Now, may his name endure forever. May it continue as long as the sun. That's in verse 17. Now, certainly Solomon would not be talking about himself. Uh-uh. So why would this future king's name endure forever? Because of the next part of the verse 17. It says, all nations will be blessed through him, and they will call him blessed. Now, this reminds us of the promises by God to Abraham back in Genesis 12, 3, well, where God said to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. God said all peoples on the earth, but uh, for Jesus, all nations the Bible says. All nations, there's a difference between all people and all nations. Now, finally, in a, a doxology, Solomon concludes his psalm with praise to the Lord God, who alone does marvelous deeds. 
Now, the work of justice, righteousness, and salvation is by God alone through the faithful work of our Savior, Jesus, and Jesus alone. Now, I want you to trot on over there to Psalms uh, 89. Yes, Psalms 89, and I will be referencing verses 25 through 29. And I am reading, I will set his hand over the sea, his right hand over the rivers, he will call out to me, you are my father, my God, the rock of my savior, or, or either the rock, my savior. I will also appoint him my firstborn, underline firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. I will maintain my love to him forever and my covenant with him will never fail. I will establish his line forever his throne as long as the heavens endure. Now, three words dominate this psalm. This psalm was written by Ethan the Ezraite. Okay, Ethan or Ethan. It, it should be in your Bible. E-T-H-A-N. He is an Ezraite. He was a singer in King uh, David's court. He was also known for his wisdom. Now, we have to remember the word forever. It is used eight times in this Psalms. Now, faithfulness is used seven times and covenant is used three times. Now, in poetic form, the Psalm is a restatement of God's covenant with David, which is written in 2 Samuel chapter 7. You can read that whole chapter. It's not that long. In that text, David wanted to build a house for God a temple for his dwelling place. But God, through the prophet Nathan, said that rather God would build a house for David, a throne that will be established forever. Now that throne would ultimately be occupied by the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. Now God said, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Now, Jesus is David's greater son, now whose throne is established eternally. And another reason why God would not allow King David to build a temple for him is because David had too much bloodshed on his hands. So God promised to allow David's son Solomon to build him the temple. Okay, now God's, uh, let's say his covenantal faithfulness is assured by his mighty power. In Psalm 89, 8, the psalmist says, O Lord, God Almighty, who is like you? You are mighty, O Lord, and your faithfulness surrounds you. This power extends to the natural world, okay? You rule over the surging sea when its waves mount up. You steal them, that's in verse 9. Now, how reminiscent. This is of Jesus, of whom his disciples said in Mark chapter 4, verse 41. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, how does he have this power? Because as verse 11 says, the heavens are yours and yours also the earth. You founded the world and all that is in it. Now, I want you to see John chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, and Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. All of these scriptures, that is, 
It is uh, referring to who Jesus is, is. All of these scriptures I just called out to you. That's why I want you to read them. They are referring to who Jesus is. Now, the foundation of God's eternal throne are righteous and justice. That's in verse 14. Now, love and faithfulness go before you. That love and faithfulness has been manifested in our world through Jesus Christ. It is he who this passage is addressing. Now, Jesus is Lord of the seas and rivers. That's in verse 25. He sustains all things by his power or his powerful word. That's in Hebrews 1, 3. He calls out to my father 46 times in the New Testament and to my God 10 times, Jesus says. Now, although Jesus doesn't specifically say my savior in speaking of his father, there can be no doubt that before his crucifixion, he looked to his father in faith for resurrection. Now, Jesus prayed in John 17, 5. And before I, I, I uh, quote those scriptures, let me take this uh, robe off because I'm burning up up in here. Oh, now I could have paused the recording so you couldn't hear this, but this is real time. And you guys, y'all know I'm for real, for real. <laughs> yeah, I was beginning to sweat. Now, John 17, 5. And now, this is our Lord Jesus talking. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had, had its past tense, with you before the world began. Mm -hmm. Now, our subject song goes on to say in verse 27, I will always appoint him my firstborn. Remember I told you to underline firstborn? The most exalted of the kings of the earth. Not only is Jesus the only begotten of the Father, John 3.16, we all know that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life or either everlasting life. We can also read what Paul says in Romans 8.29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers or many brethren, depending on uh, which version you have. Now, before I go further, let me explain this because some people, some false teachers use this scripture to tell people that God already chose the people uh, that are going to be saved, that he chose a certain few and that certain few are going to be saved. No, 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 no. That is not what it's saying. It says for those God foreknew. Foreknew mean God knew already. Because he is all-knowing, he knows everything before it, it happens. It does not mean, and let me take it a step further, it will never mean that God caused it to happen. It's just that he knows it's going to happen. Yeah. So for those he foreknew, okay, those he knew already that were going to choose his son, it is those he also predestined. He chose those that he foreknew. He knew they were going to choose his son because if it meant what these false teachers claim it mean, then why do we have to preach the gospel? Preach the gospel to every creature, huh? Making disciples out of everybody, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Why do we have to preach the gospel if God already chose? No, 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 no. The Bible says those God foreknew. Meaning he knew ahead of time. 
It is those that he predestined that he chose to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn, Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers. Yeah, now Jesus Christ is the faithful firstborn son of Psalms 89. Now he is the faithful king ruling over the house that God promised David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Um, the author of the Hebrews says in 3, 6, but Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. And we are his house. We, the body of Christ, we are his house. If we hold on to our courage and the hope of which we boast. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, finally, the psalmist Ethan says, he speaks of God's, con con uh, let's say, covenantal uh, loyalty in verses 28 and 29. The line of David's throne will never end as long as the heavens endure. Now, again, God can make that uh, promise and keep it because of his almighty power. Now, God is the loving, faithful God who keeps his promises, his covenants with us. Now, we make promises and break them all the time because we are just mere human beings, our flesh. Now, whether it's intentional or unintentional, perhaps, but because we are a fallen people, ultimately powerless creatures, that's who we are. God never breaks his promise, but we do. Some of us do. And like I said, it could be intentional or unintentional, but God never breaks his promise. His word is bond and it never returns to him void. Now, before creation, God the Father covenanted with the Son and the Son with the Father to bring salvation to their people. Over 4,000 years, several other covenants with men were instituted by God, such as the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, and the Davidic covenant. Now, each was a subsequent unveiling of God's plan of redemption. Ultimately, the new covenant was revealed in the person of Jesus Christ, the Savior, promised as David's greater son. Now, um, trot on over there to Psalms 109. Yes. Psalms 109, and I will be reading um, verses 1 through 8 and then verse 25, okay? Verses 1 through 8 and then verse 25. When I get to 25, I'm going to tell you I'm reading verse 25. So I am beginning. O God, whom I praise, do not remain silent. And this is a psalm of King David, okay? We have moved away from Ethan and Solomon. O God, whom I praise, do not remain silent, for wicked and deceitful men have opened their mouths against me. They have spoken against me with lying tongues, with words of hatred they surrounded me. They attacked me without cause. In return for my friendship, they accuse me, but I am a man of prayer. They repay me evil for good and hatred for my friendship. Appoint an evil man to oppose him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him be found guilty. And may his prayers condemn him. May his days be few. May another take his place of leadership. Now I'm reading verse 25. I am an object of scorn to my accusers. When they see me, they shake their heads. 
Now, several psalms in this Psalter are called imprecatory psalms, meaning that they are calling down curses upon the enemies of David, okay? And therefore, upon the enemies of God. Now, Psalms 109 is the last of the imprecatory psalms in the Psalter. And the most damaging ones. These psalms are difficult for Christians to understand in that Jesus has called us to love our enemies. That hasn't changed, saints. And you can read that in, in Matthew 44, for instance. Now, as sinners, we are to share the gospel and treat everyone with kindness, including our enemies and the enemies of God, who we once were. We once were enemies of God, but David is not just a private citizen. He is the king of Israel, anointed by God to rule God's chosen people in righteousness and justice. His enemies were numerous and they were ferocious. You hear me? Now, as we have uh, just read in our discussion of uh, Psalms 89, Jesus is David's greater son the one who will sit on his throne eternally. Now, in Acts chapter 1, verse 20, we are given a specific application of verse 8 in our subject text to Judas, Jesus' betrayer. It says this, for, for said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it and may another take his place of leadership. The first quote is from Psalm 69, 25, and the second from verse 8 um, in Psalms 109. Now, likewise, Psalms 109, 25 is a Messianic prediction fulfilled in Matthew 27, verses 37 through 39. It says this, above his head, they placed a written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Those who passed by hurled insults at him shaking their heads. Now, Jesus was scorned by those he came to save. And if I, you know, linger on that too long, I'll, I'll start crying. I am very sensitive when it comes to what Jesus did and what he endured just so that we can have eternal life with God, my Lord. Now, have you ever noticed that hardly anyone today ever has a, a bad thing to say about Jesus? Yes. Now, many take our Lord's name in vain, by using it as a curse word, but by, by and large, people say things like Jesus was a great teacher or Jesus was a great example for us. Or like the Muslims say, Jesus was a good man. Baby, he's far more than that. He is the lamb of God. He is the son of God. He is our savior. He is God with us. He is Jehovah have become our salvation. That is what the name Jesus means. Jehovah has become our salvation. Now they scorn him with faint praise. Now for Jesus claimed to be the very son of God, God incarnate. Jesus claimed to be that. So I don't know where they get, he's a great teacher and that he was. He was a great example for us and that he is. Some even say, oh, he was, a, he was just a prophet. No, he was the prophet. He wasn't just a prophet. He was the final prophet of God. Okay, that is who you need to see and know Jesus to be. And not because I say so, it's because the, the, the scriptures say so. He not only said as much directly to the Pharisees and teachers of the law, 
But our Lord also accepted the worship of his followers and claimed the ability and power to forgive sins. Jesus also claimed eternality or aseity in John 8:58. Now, other manifestations of his divine nature, such as his miracles, his transfiguration, and his resurrection are also solid evidence of his deity. I want you to tell me in the Quran where Muhammad was resurrected from the dead and show me one miracle that Muhammad performed. Show me one. I'll wait. Uh-huh, I thought so. Now, as others have said, only three choices of who Jesus was and is remain to us. He is either one of the three L's. He is either Lord, he is either a liar, or he is either a lunatic. And I'm sorry, saints, Jesus definitely is not a liar and he sure enough isn't a lunatic. Now, no other options exist. By giving him faint praise, they repay Jesus evil for good and hatred for his friendship. Now, Psalm 109.5, read that. Jesus agonized over this. Even as people lined the streets of Jerusalem with palm branches, Jesus wept for them. Now, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. And I need to read that again. I am reading Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44. This is verse 41. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and your children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Did you hear what Jesus just told them? He said, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. But yet we have Muslims say Jesus never said he was God. You know why? Because they don't read the Bible. They're going by what Muhammad put in the Quran. The, you have to remember the Bible was written 900 years, no, 600 years before the Quran. One man named Muhammad claimed that the angel Gabriel met him in the cave and slammed him up against the walls until he wrote the Quran. Now, if you go into the Bible and take out scriptures, why can't you document the truth about Jesus? And for the Muslims that are listening to me, because I know you do, I, I receive um, messages from you. And, and you are, a lot of you are very kind. I've never received a negative word from you. But if you want to find out about Jesus, you have to read the Bible. And you can't understand the kingdom because that's who uh, the kingdom of God is. It's a person. It's Jesus unless you are born again. But you don't get uh, information about Jesus from the Quran. You don't get information about Jesus from no other books. You have to read the Holy Bible. Now, I'm showing you where Jesus is in the Old Testament. Now, y'all are always reading the Old Testament, but you have no idea you're reading about Jesus. You have no idea. Unbelievable. But thank God you are seeking truth. Okay. Now, one final word about the, um, the curses that are in Psalms. 
in the end, they overwhelmingly teach the awfulness of sin. Not just mild, um, little itty bitty sins, as, as we would call, of which we all are guilty of, even a proud look, where you may think that's not that big of a deal, but that's one of the seven things God hates is a proud look. They teach the heinous of unrepented sin against God and one's fellow man. That's what these scriptures teach. In Psalms, the uh, the Psalms that uh, that bring curses down on people who curse God's people. Now they speak of the person who enjoys sin and wants to keep doing it. That's why the Apostle Paul said that those who practice sin don't belong to God. That's how we can distinguish between Christians and fake Christians, or shall I say real Christians and fake Christians. Because the Apostle Paul says, if you practice sin, you don't belong to God. You know, we have to have some way to know if somebody faking because everybody who walk through the church doors are not in Christ. Uh -uh, They are going out of obligation. They are talking about people in the church. They are trying to pick up men in the church. Some some of them are trying to pick up women. Some of them are trying to pick up men. Some are even trying to pick up the pastor in the church. But Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit. No good tree can bear bad fruit and no bad tree definitely cannot bear good fruit. So we need to keep our eyes open. We can pray for them saints. But the apostle Paul told the Corinthian church, I didn't tell you to judge the world. I told you to judge those who are among you. You need to put them out from among you claiming to be a Christian, put them out from among you. That's what we need to do. Put them out the church. Why people or the pastors are not putting the people out the church today. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the psalmist is saying that, you know, they are speaking of the people who enjoy sin and they want to keep doing it because they enjoy doing it. They practice it. And these scriptures warn these people of their impending doom. Okay. now let's trot on over there to Psalms 110. That's not a big jump from Psalms 109. huh? Psalm 110. And I am reading, the Lord says to my Lord, oh my goodness, yeah, 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 this is going to be a wake up call here. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool or a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter or either um, rod from Zion. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy majesty. From the womb of the dawn, you will receive the dew of your, of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook beside the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. My Lord, my Lord. Now this song is from the pen of David. As he was led by the Holy Spirit, Mark 12, 36, is the most often quoted psalm in the New Testament. Now, according to James Montgomery, his name is James Montgomery Boyce. The psalm is quoted 27 times by the apostles. Okay. 
He goes on to say that the psalm teaches the doctrines of the divine trinity, the incarnation, sufferings, resurrection, ascension, and intercession of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, many of the psalms that speak of kings speak of earthly kings. In Psalms 89, for instance, who point to the eternal king, the Lord Jesus. This psalm is just a little bit different. It's not talking about an earthly king. It is a purely messianic prophecy. One way we know this is to be true because of Jesus's words in Matthew 22, verse 41 through 46, as the Pharisees were attempting to trap him. You can't trap Jesus. You can't trap the word of God, the walking word of the true and living God. Listen to what Jesus told these, these Pharisees. Okay, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is, whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to them, okay, how is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, talking about speaking by God, calls him Lord? That's a question Jesus asked these Pharisees. For he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? So in other words, Jesus is saying, so how can he be David's son? If David is calling him Lord, no one could say a word in reply. And from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. You can't question the walking word of God. Did you hear what Jesus asked? Now, Jesus applied Psalms 110 to himself. When David says, the Lord said to my Lord, he's literally saying Yahweh or Jehovah uh, said to be my Adonai, which both are um, the word God in Hebrew. Okay. Both of these names point to someone greater than David. So how could David's son be greater than the king or um, greater than King David himself. The Pharisees had no answer to that question. The answer, as we have said previously, is that Jesus is both son of David and son of God. You can read that in Romans chapter one, uh, verses three and four. Now, Jesus is king and he is also priest. Now, we examine Melchizedek back in episode eight. He is a man who walks on to the biblical scene and then mysteriously walks away. He has no beginning and no ending. Um, he was both king of Salem and priest of God most high. That's in Hebrews chapter seven, verses one and two. He is one of the few men in scripture who is said to hold more than one of the ancient offices of prophet, priest, or king. Now, much like the separation of powers in our government between the executive legislative and the judicial branches, God separated the offices in the Old Testament in all but two cases, Moses and Melchizedek. Now we've seen Moses to be uh, a type of Christ and so is Melchizedek. Now to the ancient Jew, it must have been rather offensive to read in this Psalm that the Messiah was to be both king and priest. They believed he would be a political savior swooping down on their enemies to forever free their land of the Palestine from oppression. Now they were blind to the Messiah's priestly role. 
the writer to the Hebrews explains what they missed. The old priestly order of Aaron, which is also known as the Aaronic um, priesthood, was deficient in many ways. It sacrificed bulls and goats over and over again, which could never take away sins. That's in Hebrews 10, 11. Not only that, but priests were sinners too. They destined for the grave. Yes, they were going to die. Who had also to uh, sacrifice uh, bulls and goats for their sins, their own personal sins. But Jesus came in the order of Melchizedek to establish a permanent priesthood, one that has no sin, one that doesn't die, and one that made an effectual atonement for sin, not just a preview of the real thing. Jesus is our eternal king, and he is our eternal priest after the order of Melchizedek. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, saints, let me uh, share this last uh, message as part of episode 15. You can trot on over there to Psalms 118. Psalms 118, and I will be reading um, verses 20 through 23. I am reading. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone or either the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Now in Matthew 21, um, 28 through 40, Jesus told a parable in the temple courts to the chief priests and Pharisees that we know it as the parable of the vineyard. Okay, now in the parable, Jesus describes a vineyard owned by an absentee landlord. He rented the vineyard to some tenant farmers. But when he sent his servants to collect rent, the farmers beat them up, even killing one. More servants fared uh, similarly. Now, finally, the landlord sent his son, whom the tenant farmers almost murdered. When the Jews who heard the story agreed that the guilty farmer should be punished, Jesus said this to them. I want you to listen carefully now. He said this to them. Have you never read in the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? The Lord has done this. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. Now that was Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 through 40. Okay. My goodness. Now, the entire Psalm 118 evokes the idea of the nation Israel being miraculously delivered from Egypt. Now, in fact, the words of verse 14 are quoted by Moses in Exodus 15 too. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Now, it is a song of deliverance and a song of salvation. We have seen in chapter 28 that we just read in Exodus that the Exodus is a picture of the salvation that is ours in Christ. Israel is a picture of the stone the builders rejected. 
Now, a nation rejected even today by the nation surrounding her. Now, why did the leaders of the Jews reject Jesus and want him executed? Now, the Jews were looking for a political savior. That's one of the reasons. Not a suffering servant. More than that, when they discovered that Jesus was from Galilee, they said, look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. That's in John 7, 22. That Jesus, what they really didn't know is that Jesus had been born in Bethlehem, which is in Judah. And that was unknown to the Jews. See, that's what happened when you are ignorant of this word. Now, also, Jesus came on the scene as someone they might consider, you know, a little small time dude, you know, he was to them un uneducated, at least in their schools and to their standards. Then Jesus had the audacity to challenge the rules and regulations they had promulgated like their many unbiblical restrictions on Sabbath day practices. Yes, they had turned the laws of Moses into their own traditions. And they had written it into their own laws. They were not following the laws of Moses, I'm here to tell you. Now, one of the central reasons the chief priests called Sadducees and the Pharisees hated Jesus was because he exposed their sin and made them feel guilty. Finally, the leaders of the Jews knew that they had a good thing going. And Jesus was threatening to reign on their parade. And I don't know, I'm going to digress uh, for a second here. You guys ever watched Netflix, um, Who Killed Malcolm X? Well, you have to remember um, when Malcolm X went to Mecca, where the original Islam religion was created by Muhammad. I forgot his last name. This, this is a white guy named Muhammad. He found that out that Elijah Muhammad was not teaching the truth. See, Elijah Muhammad had created a sect when he said he met this man named Farad Muhammad, who in Chicago back in the 1960s, who said he was God and prompt him to write the message to the black man. He had created Islam just to center around black people. He called it the nation of Islam. So when uh, Malcolm X found out that um, Elijah Muhammad was just a fraud, you know, he, <laughs> he turned on him. I, you know, I have Malcolm X books. I, I, I researched him. I, um, I've seen many, many videos regarding Malcolm X what he stood for. I feel sorry for the brother because right now he in hell with Elijah Muhammad because they didn't know who Jesus was. They rejected Christ. Jesus was Malcolm X savior. Jesus was Elijah Muhammad's savior. How, how dare you put Elijah Muhammad, who was just a, a false teacher on this earth and compare him to Jesus? My goodness. My goodness, I look, my heart goes out to the brother because I think Malcolm X was one of the greatest advocates and activists for colored people who to ever live. I think he far surpassed Martin Luther King. Now, that's just my opinion, but he really, truly fought for justice for people of color. All he wanted was equality. And when he learned the true religion, Islam, he converted over to the true religion, Islam. And that's one of the reasons why they wanted to kill him because he exposed Elijah Muhammad for what he truly was. And that was a lying false teacher. That's what he was. Uh-huh. And like I said, the leaders of the Jews knew that they had a good thing going and Jesus was threatening to reign on their parade. They were blinded by Satan. You can read that in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. 
and by their own sin, ambition, and arrogance. Today, Jesus is rejected by people for basically the same reason. Now, when we read in Acts chapter 4, verses 8 through 12, which are very important scriptures, the apostles Peter and John were jailed and then brought before the Jewish council, which were the Jewish leaders. Peter then said this, write down Acts 4, 8 through 12, if you don't write down no other scriptures. Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then notice you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, by but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone, talking about Jesus, he is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the chief cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Hallelujah. We ain't saved by Muhammad. You ain't saved by Allah. You ain't saved by Buddha. You ain't saved by Jim Jones, David Koresh, Appleby. It's a bunch of names out there claiming to be from God and representing God. They are all false. It is by the name of Jesus. And I want you to notice this. They all take little scriptures from the Bible and build a whole religion around it. Don't know they building a religion around Jesus. Have no clue. The Old Testament speaks of Jesus. The Old Testament is God's redemptive plan. Yes. Yes. That leads you to Christ. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Old Testament actually begins with the book of Acts. All for the gospel, Jesus is still living. And so the New Testament doesn't take place until Jesus dies. So Mary, who was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, all of that is in the Old Testament. Now, I'm not sure why the so-called scholars who are just mere men uh, call it the New Testament, but it's still the Old Testament. Yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Old Testament. The New Testament really doesn't begin until Jesus dies on that cross. Now, your will and testament, it, it doesn't take effect unless you die, right? It's the same with Jesus. The New Testament didn't take place until Jesus died. That was just a little nugget. Okay. Now I want you to notice that Peter changes the quote from Psalms 118. He says that you rejected the stone, but God has made the rejected stone, the chief cornerstone by his resurrection from the dead. Now, have you rejected the chief cornerstone? That's my question to you saints. There's still time for you to come to him in simple childlike faith. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So as you can take from that statement, we have reached the end of episode 15. And saints, I want to invite you right now, for those of you who are listening for the first time and who have not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not promised to you. Now is the time. All you have to do is go to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. That is it. Salvation is simple. God did not make his grace hard for us. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It is just that simple. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, simply meaning that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that makes him Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, meaning that you believe that Jesus is alive today and seated at God's right hand, like King David said. Like my Lord said to my Lord, sit here there at my right hand. Yes, that's what Jesus is right now, interceding on our behalf. Oh, saints, if you made that simple statement, you are saved and no man can take that salvation from you. As hard as man is trying, they are trying their best to change God's salvation plan to fit their plan. It'll never happen. It's not going to happen. You are saved by that simple confession. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says, not man, the Bible says you are saved. John 3, 16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who shall ever believeth in him, him who God's begotten son, Jesus, shall have everlasting life. Hallelujah. You shall not perish. Hallelujah. So saints, I hope you enjoyed this message. For those of you who didn't know who Jesus is until you heard this message, I hope you have confessed Christ. If so, you have been ushered into the body of Christ. You are now a child of God. Jesus said for those who believe in him, it is them whom he gave the right to become sons of God. You are not a child of God or a son of God until you believe on the Lord Jesus. So until next time, saints, I want you to treat everyone with compassion, dignity, and respect. Show love. Walk as a beacon of light in this world. Be the salt of the earth. This world is hurting. Crime is increasing. Hate is increasing. And every time you see hate, you need to fight it with love. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only light can drive out darkness and only love can drive out hate. So until next time, saints, I am Dr. Kamala D. Peace out. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. Or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message. So don't forget to click the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart. 
because God loves a cheerful giver. Now until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.